Hello to all great sensitive minds and welcome to the third episode of the Great Sensitive Mind podcast. My name is B and in this episode I will talk about the childhood of highly sensitive people, growing up with high sensitivity and what does it bring to our first relationships. But before I start, here are some important notes. Firstly, I recommend to start from the beginning, thus my trailer episode zero, where I speak about my podcast in general. Secondly, I'm taking, again, a lot of information, mostly from the website hsperson.com and books from Dr. Elaine Aron. However, I must say that I have not read the book Highly Sensitive Child yet, therefore there might be more thoughts from that coming in later episodes. And thirdly, in my talking, I'm often referring to highly sensitive people as HSPs, so don't get confused. As you know, there is always a lot to talk about, and in these episodes I'm trying to point out at least the most important findings and information. Some details, which I might miss the first time, will be definitely brought back in later episodes. As usual, also this episode is divided into small subsections. I will begin with an introduction towards being born as highly sensitive person and the importance of childhood in our life. I will then continue with explaining how environment plays a crucial role in our growing up. Then I mention some characteristics of highly sensitive children. After that, I will speak about the early relationships in our lives. Then I dive into being at school. The next subsection will be about physical differences and Finally, I bring up the necessity of learning from our childhood and reframing it into our adulthood. Let me begin with some comments towards this topic. For many of you, there might be moments during this episode that can cause some strong reactions brought up by memories when I open chapters such as personal experiences with your family members or schoolmates, which might bring some traumas as well. If you feel quite agitated, you can of course stop and come later to it again. I recommend to overcome it as it is an important part of our life and we can learn many things about us from it, but take your time. Also many examples in this episode are general, thus please take all of them as a learning tool. After all, I have no doubt about your ability to relate to similar situations in your own experience and life. However, what I want to achieve here is for you to reflect or return to your childhood and compare or relate and rethink some of your thoughts about your childhood. I believe it might be a little bit easier for you now after knowing more about your high sensitivity trait. And what more, it can bring you some better understanding or overcoming feeling of past experiences that influence your behavior. What is it to be born with high sensitivity? All of the characteristics that we HSPs have can be found in us since we are born. As you might remember, I have mentioned that high sensitivity is proven to be an inborn or inherited trait, 
meaning that we have it built in our DNA since our first days in this world. And by that I mean even while being in a mother's womb. It is also a trait that is not visible, aka physical, like color of hair or shape of our body, which means that to discover it and manage it requires to understand the mental part of human's body, which as we also found out is not as easy. If we apply the percentage of HSPs to the newborns, it means that roughly every fifth child is highly sensitive, yet to discover this trait means having open mind and approach it from the very start. You might remember from my last episode that childhood influences us. The first four years are for the brain development the most crucial. Therefore, how we spend them will influence our life. Another point is that also the first few months of creating bonds with people around us will influence how we grow up. As I also previously mentioned, HSPs are called the orchid children, which means that we must be nurtured in the environment to bloom in order to culture our trait to manageable state. I like how Elaine describes it in her book, The Highly Sensitive Person. She embodies HSPs as flowers and says that as a plant, our temperament represents the seed and the quality of soil, enough sun and water represent the environment around us, which can, when balanced, make us bloom and when unbalanced, make us wilt. This importance of our start of life tells us how essential it is to go back to our childhood and recre recreate certain moments, feelings that are the stem of our later behavior in order to understand our trait. I have now in front of me another book from Dr. Aram called The Highly Sensitive Person's Workbook, which is, as the title suggests, a book with exercises serving as a guide. She dedicated a few chapters to childhood as well, and I recommend you to go through it as it might help you. I'm putting the book info into the description. And now something about the environment. I have spoken about the importance and influence of arousals to HSPs. Naturally, when we are born, our brain starts to develop by reacting and processing these arousals or stimuli in order to understand the world around and how to live in it, or more naturally, survive in it. And of course, for children with high sensitivity, it means deeper perception, focus and reactions. The arousals or stimuli come from the environment, which can be, for example, people around you family members, friends, and their relationships, both towards you and between them. Or the conditions that you live in, where you live, how much is your family secured financially, or how much possibilities does your surrounding give you to grow, like religion, cultural heritage, habits, or school possibilities. These can be, let's say, influenced more by you or um, or your close uh, surrounding. But then we have the outside environment that you cannot influence only on your own, which are, for example, political or economical 
situations uh, of your country or some society habits. The last one I put down is also sudden changes. Did a sudden event change your situation like a death or sickness, financial struggle, sexual attack, abandonment or bullying? These changes can definitely cause trauma and we can bring them with us to the adulthood. as highly sensitive child the characteristics are not changing that much to the adulthood you can remember yourself from your childhood or if you know a highly sensitive child you can see some of characteristics within you or them I have read recently a very nice article called how to support your highly sensitive child uh, I'm putting it into the description which summarizes some of the common qualities of highly sensitive children and they are empathy children can be better friends and make deeper friendships as they can discover subtle needs or pick up unseen cues from conversations which means that their listening skills are highly appreciated on the other hand they can feel subtle changes in behaviors which can cause a feeling of rejection or misunderstanding the next one is attentiveness and thoughtfulness. As said, the high attention to the detail and subtle changes can com contribute to get from a situation the best what others can overlook. On the other hand, though, this can be a result to perfectionism thinking. The next one is inquisitiveness. Highly sensitive children tend to have a huge curiosity and thirst for exploring new things, which on one hand means a great variability of interests, but on the other demands of time and focus for their parents. The last one is creativity. Highly sensitive children in general prone to be creative and have a close connection to art. They love to music, dance, visual art, acting or craft can help them to show their sensitivity through different means. On the other side, these children tend to run away from other activities that demand different skills simply because they don't believe in themselves and they have a big fear of failure. Of course, there are differences between children. For parents or caretakers, it is quite difficult to realize and work with the fact that each child is different. Naturally, they will try to apply the methods they were raised up with or they uh, already tried and worked or didn't work on their uh, older children. But even within the siblings, their temperaments will be different and thus the approach has to change each time. Uh, this as well relates to non-highly sensitive children and I will bring uh, this into detail further on but even gender or order of birth doesn't necessarily dictate the behavior of children and doesn't predetermine uh, the way of raising them. Of course in reality it is quite difficult to always adjust and focus your raising individually 
and it brings many issues and misunderstanding with it. It's simply normal. And what more, as we know, for us HSPs, there is this special requirement of carefulness and attention. Which brings me to the importance of the first relationship bonds. It is almost paramount that parents or people taking care of child the most will understand this trait and try to deal with it with care, meaning that they won't ignore it, suppress it, belittle it, etc. The children have an automatic trust in people closest to them when being little. Thus, they will learn from their caretakers the most and many methods than they use in their adulthood as well. In general, the society and most of the nature considers mothers as the first caretaker and thus having the most important bond with the child. After all, they were one organism or two connected organisms for nine months and they stay after birth together, again in most common examples, through breastfeeding. The bond is very important and stays important for a long time in child's brain. If the parents switch and the father or the second parent in other cases becomes the nurse and the caretaker, he or she is as much important as the first as in the first case mother. The baby seeks naturally for safety and this safety is exhibited by senses. Parents smell, voice, touch, etc. Parents' voice can soothe their cry. His or her scent or touch can bring child to sleep, etc. And to link this to the high sensitivity, senses, as we know, are the receivers of arousals and through them the child's brain then decides how the child will respond in certain situations. Very simply said, If people around us as babies give us harmonious arousals, we as highly sensitive people will have better conditions to get through them. However, if people around us exploit the arousals, bring us stronger arousals that we don't need or cannot handle, or if they don't understand how to teach us to get through these arousals, we highly sensitive people as babies will create traumas and negative associations towards certain situations. For example, the response of crying is very common in highly sensitive children, actually in most of the children. If the parent takes the cry as an alarm and tries to soothe it, finds the cause and teaches the child a method how to overcome this trigger of crying and understand the situation, next time when similar situation happens again, the child will understand parents' previous explanation and try to not react by crying. However, if the cry is seen by parents as a sign of weakness and should be dealt by shutting the child up with a shout or a comment how weak and horribly emotional the child is, he or she will create an association of an anger from their parent, mainly accompanied by the feeling of fault. They left the cause of the situation unresolved and when the situation happens next time, the highly sensitive person remembers parents' shout, 
feeling of fault and embarrassment. These, of course, are just examples. I could be pointing out thousands of other similar situations, so please take it mostly as a learning moment rather than a general fact experienced by all of us. In all of the families, each member is different and has a different relationship with a highly sensitive child. There is no rule that it is mother who always understands the needs of her children the most because she spends the most time with them. Fathers can be great listeners and observers too, or even caring grandparents, aunts or uncles. Each family has different relationships, dynamics. For us, highly sensitive people, it means that remembering our childhood, we might have recollect nice memories with our grandfather, yet remembering a little bit tougher situations with our mother, or feeling safe at home with parents while, while very timid during family gatherings, etc. These memories help us recreate moments why we felt a certain emotion at a certain time connected to a certain family member. If we project these feelings to our present moment, we can ask some questions. Can we seek the source of the emotion? Can we feel different now about the moment or we still don't understand what and why actually happened? Would we behave differently if our family member acted in other way? And what would be the way they should actually behave? You can have a little moment for yourself and go through this little exercise to proceed this in your mind. All of the early, generally normal relationships are based on protecting the child in the caretaker vision and the child trust. Simply that the parent knows the best how to take care of their child. After all, a child doesn't have any other experience, only the one provided by their caretaker, thus they cannot compare to different situations. But if the protecting was exhibited too much, the child can bring similar behavior towards its own body and soul and treat him or herself the same as they were treated by their trusted caretakers. That is why it is so important to bring your childhood memories back to your older self now and rethink some of your reactions in order to find how much you have been influenced by overprotection or misunderstanding. Now something about school. Socializing out of the family members opens a bigger circle of experience, social encounters, understanding and different views on world. Each child comes to school from different family background, different parenting, different personalities, different expectations. This is time of making friendships that, and that is a different type of bond than with family. Children also start to compete and rank, mostly exhibited when playing games, which on the other hand are interestingly also helping socializing. Attending school is a time of first hobbies and interests like sport, art, nature, technology, which is transparent by a play of when I grow up, I want to be. You are now expected to be on your own. 
the security of your caretakers disappears. A new authority, a teacher, becomes very important to deal with towards teachers' expectations, learning process, trust, etc. And also to gain more friendships or rivalries. These all, now mentioned, bring more stimuli and arousals to our highly sensitive brain. Unless you were homeschooled or attended private lessons, most of the school experience is about being mixed with and compared to a big group of young peers. Thus, the closer interaction than you might be used to from your family circle disappears and you have to deal with it now on your own. For us, highly sensitive people, it may cause more misunderstandings from the teacher's or schoolmate's point of view, as we discovered, because highly sensitive people need a little bit different care and understanding than a non-highly sensitive people. Which for teachers, if they must handle a group of 25 children at once, is not an easy job, understandably. And for schoolmates, being the age they are and experience that they have had so far, doesn't always really work. On the other hand, we may find other highly sensitive children, given our representation of at least 20% of population, among our schoolmates and thus can connect with each other as we understand the similarities among us. Or we can find a non-highly sensitive friend who likes us and wishes to be in a relationship with us. As I mentioned earlier, we are good at listening, observing and helping others, thus we are a nice body to rely on and trust. I will talk about relationships and friendships in my next episode. There is also another factor to look at, which is generalization. I am now talking more about the general school system and not specialized, specialized schools like Montessori with sophisticated and personal oriented programs. At school, we are meant to learn things that are given to us through a system and prove that what we have learned, we also remember or execute in real situations, aka passing tests. This is, however, still generally applied to all of the children and thus the focus on personal qualities is suppressed. This, of course, means that if someone requires less stress and stimuli in order to perform at best, like highly sensitive people, their requests will be most likely turned down and not accepted, which for us can cause more difficulties when asked to perform a task. As I said, we are very capable of learning stuff. We are hardworking, detail-oriented, easy learners, but if we are showing our skills in stressful surroundings, our results can be affected quite badly. In different words, we can learn most of the subject matter brilliantly, but if we have to stand in front of whole class and speak after having a restless night over a fight with our friend, we won't make a sound as our brain is on strike and our fright and sad emotions take over. Now I would 
would like to say something about the physical display of highly sensitive children. General sensitivity gives highly sensitive children some display in their physicality. They prone to have more allergies, insomnia, colic, food intolerances, skin rashes, muscle pains, migraines, etc. This has been actually studied as well into more detail and described from the biological point of view. How much the content of different body chemicals like hormones, neurotransmitters in our body fluids like blood, urine or sweat can change while being under arousal moment. Highly sensitive children are prone to different digesting issues as well, which are mostly created by the amount of stress exposed to them. Another important factor is the sleep and its necessity. Naturally, rest or sleep in particular is connected with stress. And even for non-highly sensitive people, the lack of sleep when they are under stressful situation doesn't bring any good. Taking care of balancing daily arousals to soothe children down and allow them to sleep is necessary for children exposed to different arousals. They need their many hours of rest for their body development. Studies also prove that highly sensitive people are prone to vivid dreams and nightmares while processing arousals from daily experience. Uh, so very common in highly sensitive children as well. On one hand, I think it is a good sign for people around the child to be alarmed and try to help it by finding the cause of these physical symptoms. On the other hand, it brings them more on the plate to deal with, which for many isn't a great situation. And thus it is again on these caretakers to decide how much attention they will pay to their high sensitive child and how they will deal with it in general. I have already mentioned that it doesn't really matter if you are male or female. High sensitivity can be found in both equally. However, there is a fact that our society tends to hang on to defining the gender of a child when meeting for a first time, which is quite interesting if we think about it. The reason why Dr. Aaron also describes in her book is that Allah's society treats genders differently. What more, these prejudices start with parents, which is also unfortunately many times already predetermined by the role of mother, aka female, and father, aka man, and their different expectations towards daughters and sons. In my opinion, this should vanish as soon as possible, as it is proven that there is no advantages towards these behaviors. I can honestly think only about the disadvantages it brings. One of the most important regarding HSPs is of course that boys are considered not sensitive and girls yes. As with other situations, even in gender differentiation, this can cause misunderstanding, wrong expectations and unnecessary relationships feuds. I can only say here Please be a better parent for your child and don't categorize them for their gender, but embrace them for their uniqueness. I would
would like to finish with how the childhood influences our adulthood. With experience, our temperament is also changing. We adapt to certain things. We learned from certain moments how to manage a similar situation next time. For example, when a child, you immediately react to things strongly by crying, having tantrums or being shocked. But later on, you learn how to manage these strong feelings in certain situations. For example, watching a sad movie when young can be different when seeing it again older. Knowing the end, knowing the difference between reality and fiction, etc. Or when falling asleep as a child, you are, you are afraid of shadows and cannot fall asleep. While in adulthood, you know that shadows are from objects cannot harm you. Elaine also says that during her studies, she discovered that most of the highly sensitive people who had anxiety and depression issues in their adulthood had a troubled childhood, which means that there is a definitely a connection between them. All of the information I have been mentioning here should help you to pause and think about your childhood, your early years, your relationships with family members, your first friendships, your steps of becoming more independent, etc. Think about situations that will still provoke unpleasant feelings, maybe a trauma or embarrassing situation, and the ones that felt pleasant and supportive, maybe your teacher showing you your own strength when your family didn't see them or your best friend to whom you could open up. Each of these will in general show themselves in various situations in your behavior as an adult. I recommend to go through these so that you may understand yourself better or find a way how to overcome certain disturbing qualities by reframing the situation when you know more about your trait and more information about how to ease your inner feelings and reactions. To repeat myself again, please buy some books or visit a therapy that can give you help focused on your particular struggles. Embrace the possibilities around you and don't be afraid. To end this episode, I must quote a part from Elaine's book, The Highly Sensitive Person. You can find it in chapter 4 under section Reparenting Your Gifted Self. She wrote down some guidelines that can help you when working on your childhood. Here they are. First, appreciate yourself for being, not doing. Second, praise yourself for taking risks and learning something new rather than for your successes. It will help you cope with failure. Third, try not to constantly compare yourself to others. It invites excessive competition. Fourth, give yourself opportunities to interact with other gifted people. Fifth, do not overschedule yourself. Allow time to think, to daydream. Sixth, keep your expectations realistic. Seven, do not hide your abilities. Eighth, be your own advocate. Support your right to be yourself. And nine, accept it when you have narrow interests or broad ones.
have no doubt that we will come back to this topic later on and take some of the parts even into a deeper details. Like in my next episode, which I want to devote to friends and relationships of highly sensitive people. As for the platforms, please follow me on my Instagram, the Great Sensitive Mind Podcast. We can already start to talk about different topics there. I am also nearly ready to my Patreon to open very soon, so stay tuned. And my email address, which you can find in the description, is always open for a contact too. Thank you so much for listening and being here with me. Have a lovely day. Bye.